0: Ivan, Tony and Brentford have proven themselves in the past to being very equipped at doing really well in some of these bigger games. But that is a really, really rough run of fixture. The fantasy football show hello everybody my name is james and for the benefit of those listening to the audio you're listening to ask james my regular youtube live stream where i welcome questions from the youtube community on anything football related to timestamp this is just gone 12 p.m on friday january the 19th i don't have anything specific to cover uh, before I get into the questions. obviously well, it's just a little bit of updates in terms of the impact of the FA Cup third round results. So obviously West Ham losing to Bristol City means we now know that at least one of Arsenal versus Chelsea or West Ham versus Aston Villa will go ahead in game week 29. A reminder, obviously, that we will know the Carabao Cup finalists and the majority of the FA Cup fourth-round winners and, importantly, the FA Cup fifth-round draw before the Game Week 22 deadline, which is still 11 days away. There's plenty much more to learn as well through AFCON results, injuries, suspensions, transfer window. Lots of reasons to wait, but as ever, play it your Way. Right. Let's get into the questions. I'm sure there'll be some strategy questions and the like. Greg Frost is first. This afternoon, James. If Big Kev gets 60 plus minutes against Spurs in the cup this Friday, will you be making the transfer? Uh, me and Clayton had a bit of a discussion about this on our Patreon podcast that we released uh, this morning. I've got 9 million in the bank. And if there's no indication that Salah or Haaland's going to be back, it's going to be a very difficult one to. Resist, if, uh, and I'll obviously be at White Lane next Friday. If De Bruyne looks good to go for game week 22, it's going to be a, a difficult one to not dive into. I think on the face of it, yes, probably, because it'll be one I won't want to be without and the money's there to go and get it. It would definitely improve my game week 22 team. The difficulty in then adding Salah and Haaland back with him, alongside the likes of Trent, that I've still got as well. Would definitely be difficult. It means pretty much sacrificing just about every good mid price asset I have, i.e., Saka, Boeing, Watkins. And I think the longer term needs to be considered a little bit because Arsenal, Villa, and West Ham might be three really good teams to target in the run towards game week 29. So I he might be that like a go De Bruyne, and he might even have to be a sacrifice afterwards. Because the one thing with him is, was well, is he 10.4 at the moment? I'm sure that'd be 10.5 by the time deadline comes around. And I'll certainly let that that price rise go. Um, is If Holland's available, he's not going to get the armband, is he? And it's expensive. That's not to say you can't have him, but the alternative of Salah as an alternative captaincy to Holland feels far more appealing for the weeks before 25, perhaps during and after as well. So it might even be that I go to De Bruyne and then move him on possibly. I can do it. I have looked at ways of getting De Bruyne, Salah and Holland all back in. It can be done. But as I said, it means sacrificing some of those really good, consistent mid-price assets. So on the face of it, I think to answer Greg, yes, probably, but it might not be a long-term move. It might just be in, possibly even captain and less assess afterwards. But yeah, I'll, I'll I imagine I'll know when I walk out of Wilder Lane next Friday night, I'll imagine I'll know what I'm doing from from there, most probably in relation to him specifically. LH says, James, would you bring Tony in for Lyle Taylor tomorrow in Sky and Captain? Penny for your thoughts, mate. Cheers. If you've got Lyle Taylor, I'm very, very concerned because it wasn't a uh, a cheap forward at Night in Forest last year. I think you mean Lyle Foster. Um, yes, I would. I think for those who went in Sky, I think if you went for a Burnley player, it was always a case of one game and move it straight on. If you went for a Luton asset, you were probably looking at two games and then move on. So, yep, yeah, if that's the player you want, I'd go and get it done, mate. Uh, Nicolas says, Morning James, if we get no clear hauland news info, would you be comfortable capturing Foden? I don't have Richie or Alvarez this week. To answer your question, yes. Um, I mean, for me at the moment, if i bust the team and didn't make any transfers, it would be Foden or Alvarez captain for me. I would say if Holland is definitively definitely not going to be back, there's every chance I would maybe just go with Alvarez. If it was a up in the air, then yeah, there's every chance with captain Foden and would maybe even captain Foden over De Bruyne um, because it could bring De Bruyne in with no certainty that he's going to play, right? I see no reason really why Phil Foden is going to come out the team at the moment. Um, I've done a piece that will be out later today for advanced tier patrons looking at the impacts of his positioning primarily when Kevin De Bruyne came on last week and I don't think there's anything overly to be concerned about Um, basically what City want to end up with is a a front line of a five and it's quite impacted by perhaps if Bernardo Silva is going to play just as much actually because if if Vardial was an example ends up being kind of City's left-sided forward which definitely happened in in build-up phases towards the end of the game last week, then Foden may well be holding the touchline if he's the right-sided forward. If Doku's going to play, which is the most likely scenario, or a Jack Grealish, then they'll hold the touchline on the left. Carl Walker is likely to push forward at the moment, and Foden will still end up in more central areas, which is more promising. And I don't think we can say for certain which way that'll go, and that might also only be short-term thinking dependent on possible returns of Manuel Kanji and John Stones, actually, in terms of City's manipulation to try and get extra players. And what I mean by that is players playing multiple roles, right? We know John Stones step out from the back, go into midfield. That's how City gain their advantage quite often. At the moment, without a defensive player that can really do that, they're using forward players to play multiple roles. That includes Phil Fodham. So it might be short-term thinking subject to a Kanji and Stones, even ironically, could be a longer-term impact on Phil Foden. So, yep, quite possibly. Foden may well be my game with 22 captain, yeah. I uh, wouldn't captain Richarlison anyway, <laughs> as I told Clayton last week, which he still hates me for. Uh, Nicola says, happy Friday, by the way. Hope fam is good. Yeah, all well. Thank you, mate. Hope yours are good too. Ethan Jocelyn says, yes, James, is it bold to say I think Spurs could win the league next year? <laughs> Again, referencing the, the Patreon podcast we released on on Wednesday, uh, talking about the two North London clubs. I didn't say that I thought we'd win the league next year what I did say was I could see us certainly challenging, um, maybe not necessarily even next year, but the year after, like you you can see coming. What was really impressive with Sunday was I think most of Tottenham's good performances this year have been quite chaotic. That's what I used to define them. Whereas Sunday felt controlled. It felt like a good team in control of what they were doing. Um, and I just think we didn't have the, the fitness levels or the substitutes to impact the game late on the game, late in the day at Old Trafford to kind of, be able to walk away and say, "Yeah, we definitely deserve to win that." We didn't really because we can, didn't create enough in the final half hour of the game, basically. But yeah, I I I'm super infused about where Tottenham are at now that the players are returning to fitness. You know, if Madison's going to be back. We think he's rejoined training this week. Then that's another level above. You remember as well it was about Kulizewski and Son. Uh, on Sunday, there's obviously the two players at AFCON as well. Bisuma and Papsar has been exceptional for us this season. And he's a good young developing player. So looks looks bright. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say we're going to win the league next year. No, Not at all. I, I don't really know how you can win Manchester City at their pomp at the moment. Maybe Man City might not be in the league, though. That would help. Uh, Vish says, thoughts on the Rwanda deal? I don't know what it is, mate, so I can't comment. Uh, Sean says afternoon James sure you're waiting on the fixtures in both cups first what's your thinking in regards to when to best utilize free here as it stands so we'll obviously discuss this in a a lot more detail before 22 comes around again as said previously the intention at the moment would be to do another chip strategy podcast um, on Monday the 29th when hopefully we've got the FA cup fifth round draw as well and kind of what we did last week towards the the opening part of the week. Repeat all that basically, but just with updated information and with perhaps clearer strategy ideas of pros and cons. So at the moment, uh, 29 is obviously an optional. I, I don't I don't really see how any of us could completely rule it out. It's subject to what the game week's going to look like um, and there's multiple options in terms of what that may may be. My instincts at the moment is I'd rather use it in 34 or 37. Now, remember, i approached this a little bit differently in the sense I've already used my bench boost. Many of you will be holding that perhaps for game week 37, for example, or maybe 34 if it lands nicely. So for me, yeah, I can really use one of those weeks to attack and absolutely be aggressive and build towards the other. So my instinct is probably 34 um, at the moment. Because I think it's more likely that the players I want for the run in are more like is more likely to be more of them will have doubles in 37 rather than 34. That's my instinct at the moment. That could change. But yeah, I would because I know that the two game weeks with the doubles are likely to have different sets of teams that have got doubles. Yes, I would like to use the free hit to be aggressive. It offers no guarantees. I I'm I quite like using the free hit chip in blank game weeks. Because I think it it almost guarantees that you're going to do better than what you've got in most scenarios. And that's most commonly what I've done. At the moment, as I said, my instinct would be to want to use it in one of the double game weeks currently. But I, I think it really depends how easy it will be to transition from the 25-26 the period to 29. Um, so it might even be that I'd build towards 34, for example, and perhaps even still wildcard really late on. Um, it could even be another way I might do this. Um, might even be too subject to again how the teams fall is is try and run through wild card 34 and free hit 37, almost use them like two free hits could be another luxury. Um if I think there's a possibility that there's teams who will have enough fixtures in 29 and also double in 34, which is unlikely, but it's a possibility. Maybe even wildcard out of that in 35, possibly. So I'm very open to a, a lot of different possibilities at the moment. I'm pretty sure I'll sit here with you guys in 10 days, and I won't say that I'll know definitively, but I'll probably have a clear idea on a preference, I think. Uh, Atul Balaji says, Madison Porro, Van der Ven, if you had to sell one among these three, who'd you sell? Very difficult, mate. Very difficult because they will bring very different attributes and, and qualities to the team that if any of them are out, it's very difficult for us to do without. Um, I'm inclined to oh, sell one. Jeez, man. I, I, there, there could be something to say that Mickey Van Der Ven had a brilliant, brilliant start, and we don't know if it will last, right? He's the sort of player who... He's quite young and his peak might be now why it's young because of his athleticism. If you keep suffering hamstring injuries, for example, that's going to destabilise him quite quickly where it might even be you'd you'd want to move him on in a couple of years. If I had to sell one right now among the three, the one we'd cope without best currently is probably Porro, I think. Just because um, he's obviously a far superior player to Emerson, but Emerson is pretty good defensively. He understands the demands of the position in terms of what's expected to him in terms of where he should be within attacking phases. His recovery defensively really is good. And I've said he's better defensively than Porro. So you'd be losing something, but you might gain something else. I can't see what we'd gain on not having Madison or Van der Ven. So very reluctantly, it would be Porro. And that's not to say Porro's the the worst of the three players, not at all, which is what we'd cope with best at the moment, I think. Uh Ethan Hood says, any big plans for the weekend with no Spurs game? No, not particularly, to be honest. Um I'll I'll watch the the games over the weekends, the, the four games on Saturday, Sunday. I've got a recording of COTC with Mark and Adam, Forest Arsenal, that will be out for you on, on Monday. Um so there'll be a little bit of work for me Sunday night. But no, primarily weekends with my boy, and we'll we'll find something fun to do around the games. It might be that I watched the, the games on a delay, for example. Eric Onstad says, Hi James, you really ought to be excited if Antonio Nusa deal goes through. Coming world class. Look, he's an 18-year-old boy. Um, I've obviously seen all the links with Tottenham sort of late last night and, and early this morning. It makes sense for Tottenham potentially to want to get a deal done for a player that they don't necessarily want to be part of the first team just quite yet. That's because of the Harry Kane transfer money being all on this year's account so Tottenham are probably in a, a different position to the majority of the other clubs at the moment in in the sense that yep there can still be more spending if they think they want to this month but it's obviously challenging because buying good players in January is awkward he's a young boy he wouldn't be the first 18 year old kid who looked like absolute lightning and disappeared up his own ass. I can't pretend that I've seen him play in a competitive football match. And know certainly perhaps a lot of our Norwegian followers rate him quite highly. So I've heard if you watch any clips of him, yeah, he looks like he's going to win a Ballon d'Or in a couple of years, but I also remember buying Emerson Royal and he looked like Cafu. Um, Brian Hill looked like Lionel Messi. So I, much prefer to judge a player over what I see in terms of competitive games um uh, but yeah he, he looks uh, an exceptional talent no doubt about it um it looks like the strengths and weaknesses obviously very direct of his play he looks like the type of wide player that we should be looking for and I'm refused about that that Tottenham are, seem to be getting way smarter with what they're doing with their business and the type of profile players they're looking at looks to be very much going down a far more analytical route now. So quite pleased. Yes, it um, looks an exceptional talent. I'm also aware that we're not the only club interested in him. So, but yeah, if we can get the deal done, sure, is another player there of huge potential. There are also players within the squad of huge potential, by the way, in terms of the, the young kids. I mean, the most exciting academy prospect, I think we've got at the moment, is Mikey Moore. And it's basically his position when the supplies. So in terms of the long-term vision of the club, How important it would be, not sure. But we definitely want someone in that position. Whether he'd come in and be a starter, come start next season. Maybe, maybe. JP says, your thoughts on Werner, who could also play in that position. Also, your predicted lineup with Kulizewski and Madison back. I like Timo. He comes across, I've said this on a few different bits of content. He comes across really likeable. I'm not sure what it is, but he just comes across as a really likeable bloke. And he's someone I think, yeah, I want you to do well. Um, There's certainly been, not that I've seen any hang of the, oh, he played for Chelsea, that kind of attitude you can get from certain supporters. No, I've not seen that. It might be a little bit helped, but because of Son's absence and the absence of a few others at the moment, there's a requirement for him absolutely to be in the team. Um, Yeah, good movement, holds the touchline really well. That looks like where primarily he'll probably play is on the left. Moving forward, when Sonny's back, that's potentially obviously going to put a a large threat on his position. Can obviously play through the middle, may even play on the the right on occasion as well, which might free Kuduzewski to cover for Madison better at times that we may need it in the future. So, yeah, like what I've seen so far, my, my expectations are quite low on it, right? I'm not expecting him to come in and be a 15 goal a season man or anything like that. Um, but I do probably expect him to be kind of around the ballpark of perhaps one in three in terms of attacking return. If we lower our expectations and realise what he can do for good of the team, his positioning, his work off the ball, he's a good presser. There are some likable aspects about it. Do I see him being long-term Tottenham first choice? No, probably not. Should we potentially buy him if he does well? Well, for fifteen million, there's probably not a lot to lose in terms of predicted lineup with Kulusevski and Madison back. Yeah, Kuliszewski to the right in place of Johnson. Madison, obviously, in the 10 position. So, you know, for the minute, they're saying place of Skip, but you might as well say in place of Kuliszewski as well. Kuliszewski moving back to the right. And then it's probably Hoyberg, Benson, core in, in the immediate. And then, obviously, depending on who comes back, Sara, Bisuma. They'll obviously then go in the team instead of Hoyberg. And then, touch wood, players stay fit, and we will be very close to the best 11, and obviously Sun returns as well. So I'd imagine Werner stays on the, the left till Sun comes back. Then we'll have the debate again. I don't see Richardson moving from the position through the middle while he's performing and scoring okay. JP also says, his best time to get Romeo on Sky. I have Vicario also. Uh, thanks for putting Vicario. That makes me know you want Romero. Yeah, in, in all seriousness, if you're looking to invest in Tottenham players for Sky Fantasy, it will be the night we play Brentford. Is, is the right night to go and invest. The next three fixtures are all on Saturdays. Then the Chelsea game might not happen. So if you want to invest in Tottenham in Sky Fantasy, it should be on Wednesday the 31st, really. Uh, ben Wadder says, Annoyingly, I have both Darwin and Alvarez, meaning to get Salah and Haaland. I'm likely going to have to get rid of Saka and Watkins. Is this really as scary as it looks on paper? Yeah, this is why... Um, In the vote for the People's Poll, not this week, but the week before, I put in the idea of a discussion of selling these template players who perhaps we don't want to get rid of, the likes of Watkins, Saka, Bowen. We can potentially throw Dominic Solanke in for that mix at the moment. A few defensive players as well, Poro. If Porro's going to blank in 26, as much as many of us have got him, certainly wouldn't want to move him. You know, if it's if it's one point five is going to be the difference between getting salary or something, and and moving him on is an option. If you've got other good defensive players, it will come under consideration, won't it? So, yeah, I simplifies. I don't quite know the answer yet, Ben, because I haven't decided what I'm going to do. I think the the, the best advice I could give at this stage, without overthinking it, shouldn't really, is look at how you would get them all, um, and look at keeping them all. And I think in most scenarios, if you just cut out one of the premiums, and for me, that's possibly going to be De Bruyne, then the transition through future weeks afterwards just looks way better, way better. And that's why I spoke earlier to one of the the first questions about potentially, yes, sure, maybe buying De Bruyne, but actually might not stay down. It might be that he goes on to Salah, and then I look up hitting 25 and making a different decision, whether it's a, a city defensive player or a cheaper city attacking player. So I don't know the answer, Ben, but certainly I think we can probably read between the lines that there will be plenty that will move on the likes of Saka, Watkins, Bowen, etc. to make these sort of moves happen. JP says, your opinion on Breuer as a player and his future in the Premier League? My first opinion on it is that no one's going to give Chelsea the £50 million that they supposedly want. I suspect they, there's probably been leaks to make him available to shut down the suggestion that Conor Gallagher may go. We know that if Chelsea sell a homegrown player, which Breuer falls under that line, 100% profit on the books. That's important for Chelsea at the moment. Are they going to get 50 million from the clubs interested? No. I think I uh, was hugely impressed of him in his spell at Southampton. Denny was obviously extremely unfortunate to suffer a very serious injury towards the start of last season. Do I think he's Good enough for Chelsea? Not at the moment. It's not to say he wouldn't be, but not at the moment. So is he expendable to Chelsea? Yes. Is he good enough to be a Premier League forward? Yes. But if I was uh, I don't know, some of the clubs getting linked like West Ham, Wolves, Wolves certainly wouldn't be able to pay that sort of fee at the moment. Um, I'd be I'd I'd probably be looking at a loan with an option to buy to get him in and have a look and see how his recovery has been from injury because he hasn't had a run of games for us to truly analyse and understand if he can hit back a kind of peak sort of winter period level he hit with Southampton a couple of years ago so if you're a Wolves you'd be looking at right can we get a, a loan option in with a, a view to buy or even if it's an obligation if he plays a certain amount of games if you're looking more for something like that that doesn't suit Chelsea at all so yeah Phone calls to Saudi Arabia, maybe. Adam says, who would you rather lose when Holland is back? Let's say he's back in 24, Isak or Watkins. Oh, Isak quite comfortably, I think, at that stage. you probably got Callum Wilson back fit. So there's a potential for rotation. Um, Villa's run, I think, is a little bit better, moving towards 29. They're also slightly more likely to play in 29 than Newcastle at the moment. So, yeah, it would be Hold Watkins at, at this stage, but again, if Newcastle lose to Fulham in the Cup, then they're guaranteed the game with 29 fixture at Crystal Palace now. And if Villa win at Chelsea, then that narrative might spin the other way. But, yeah, either way, I think with Wilson returning to fitness, I'd probably rather keep Watkins, to be honest. Um, Gavin Richardson says, uh, TFI Friday, James, uh, did Kit Kat Gate ever get fully resolved? And where did all those Harry Bows come from? Those Haribo's came from uh, a place that he shouldn't be able to reach in the kitchen, which he did. This is for the benefit of those people. Like, what are you talking about? Um, yeah, my son's a clever little bastard. Um, he managed to get something while I was doing the deadline stream last Friday. Kit Kat, Kate, did it? Ever, uh, uh, did it get resolved? Yeah, I mean, he he took the Kit Kat off me and he ate it, didn't he? So the Haribo's he got from the kitchen in a place that. Uh, Okay, I was going to say I. No, let's cross her up. His mother thought he wouldn't be able to reach. Steve Saunders says, Hi, James. Who would be the three Manchester City players to target against Burnley? De Bruyne, Haaland and Foden, if they're all fit, mate. So we can't answer this question now, can we? Like if Haaland's not fit, I'm not moving Alvarez, am I? So the answer then becomes Alvarez. If we don't think De Bruyne's going to start, then you'd maybe even make a case. It's a defensive one. I spoke on Monday's pod quite a bit about Guardiola and... Cole Walker, um, and keeping an eye on them as potential offensive, defensive assets. But again, to the point I made earlier on Phil Foden, I think that's quite relatable to what's happening with John Stone's injury status. So you may have to think short term. Bernardo Silva would be, if those players don't look ready, that I've mentioned ready to play, then Bernardo Silva would be a perfectly fine pickup. You can punch Jeremy Doku, can't you? Absolutely. So let I me mean, sit here and answer it. It's another game between now and then, and we'll know more. Adam says if KDB's career ended today where would you rank him in all time among premier league midfielders Interesting, to hear your take minimum top 5 um for me i would probably want to find a place for him in a an all time premier league team i think i think so um i think in terms of all-round ability him. You could use him as a 10. You can use him as an 8. You could even be cheeky about him, use him on the right, right, and throw like a Ronaldo on the left. There's loads you could do with him. Um, So originally, remember, when City brought him, that's what many of us thought he was, was a winger, right? What a player. Uh, Incredible, yeah. I think for those of us who are probably my era and perhaps a bit older, I think when we talk about all-time Premier League 11s, we can get a bit stuck with the... The brilliant players from the nineties, because that's a kind of a first starting point. So you know your vieras your Keynes, your Skulls, brilliant players, incredible, right? And all of them um, worthy of certainly being in that top five as well. But then we can kind of overlook your likes of De Silva or um, not De Silva, David Silva or De Bruyne, who's playing now. So I think De Bruyne, a minimum top five, I probably would want to find a way to get him into an all-time Premier League 11. I think when he finishes, most of us will, there's every chance we'll nod and agree with that. JP says, would you ever get into or be interested in coaching? Seems like you'd be great at it. My dad said to me the other week, he said, uh, I want to I want to pay for you to do coaching. And uh, I said, I don't think you know how much it costs, dad. He said, it doesn't matter. It's like, oh, you're that flush, are you? He said, oh, no, shut up. It doesn't matter. Oh, I think you should do it. Like, okay, thanks, dad so that Tottenham's my priority it's always going to stop me from from doing that sort of thing he does cost an absolute bomb uh i'm very privileged and lucky to be doing what i'm doing here with with surge and i don't have any interest in not doing that anymore so uh yeah i've got an eye i've got an eye for things yes i think i probably could be good at it um is it something i want to do now no is it something Maybe I should have chased more in my 20s, maybe. Yeah, possibly. But it wasn't something that would have been affordable to even go down that route and look at, possibly. Um, so, no, I, I'll be honest. There's no real – it intrigues me, but there's no will want to do it now. I'm in my 40s. There's no will want to do it now when I can – sit in the warm and talk to you guys instead. Uh, Andre Galea says, are the high amount of injuries this season compared to other seasons a result of too many fixtures and players playing too many games, or could it be an anomaly? There might also be something to said for intensity. So if you look at two teams that have really suffered this season, Tottenham and Newcastle. So Tottenham have had quite a lot of muscle injuries. And Madison's the only one really that's been... um, uh, kind of a, a bone injury, really. Most of the others have been muscle problems. And I think it's down to intensity. Um, I think Newcastle have suffered with that quite a bit as well. Um, they've had some unfortunate ones that haven't been muscles. But they play to an intense standard as well. And obviously their volume of fixtures has gone up this season. In Tottenham's case, they've only really been playing once a week. So it's something Tottenham will have to mark against next season if they get back into European football and you know, rotate more and make sure the squad is is bigger and better equipped to play European football. Um but yeah, I, I would I would think that the sheer volume of fixtures and the intensity of football is certainly playing a a role in that. Yeah, it's it's hard it's hard not to think so. Also factoring, you know, the impact of the World Cup last year and that as well. There's a lot of players who've gone right through this. Uh, John Bright says, what's your top three tips for someone wanting to try Sky Fantasy Football for the first time? Good question. The first one would be listen to our intro pod in the summer to get a feel and an understanding of the game. Um, That's not to put a trumpet up my arse, but it's it's just a good intro podcast to listen to. Um, And if you're here, you're probably enough interested in some of the things I've got to say. So that will help you in terms of learning of Sky. Um, You need to plan. You absolutely need to plan uh, and you need to be aware at this sort of stage of the season of the the possibilities, let's say, and go, right, well, if Liverpool-Luton does get brought forward, what does that mean for my plans? What does it mean if it stays where it is? Um, We need to think about those sort of things and have alternative plans. Not necessarily right in place now because it's a few weeks away, but we need to have the ideas and understanding at least what the impact can be. So understanding the mechanics of the game and planning – are the two most um, important things. Um, I think for new starters, particularly in the first instance, don't be afraid to be boring. Oh, my team's too template. Like in Sky, particularly, like it's absolutely fine to go down that route. And perhaps don't gamble. So if you've got a 50 50 on a captaincy, so go with a player that's got the ownership and stuff. He, certainly in the start, to help your understanding of the game. It helps, I think. So, but the, the the main priority too would be understand the mechanics, and be prepared to plan. You're not going to win Sky Fantasy Football unless you plan. Almost impossible. I, in fact, I'd probably say it is impossible. I think FPL could be won without planning. Generally, like if you get the right players, right time, form, fixtures, you could largely ignore doubles and blanks to a certain degree, um, and perhaps do well. Right? We've all had those stories of double game week players letting us down and stuff in Sky. If you don't take advantage of the fixtures uh, and the fact that you've obviously got captaincies on multiple days, yeah, you're not going to win it. No chance. Thomas Powell says, Hey James, if you had a team of head coach, assistant, fitness coach, analysis, under-23 coach, which Premier League managers would you take in each role? Okay. Um, that's interesting because obviously... All of them are head coaches, right? So, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, uh, I think head coach is still Pep, isn't it? Um, Fitness coach, that's interesting. Fitness coach. Fitness coach. That's tough, isn't it? Uh, Sean Dyche. Sean Dysh for Fitness Coast Coach. Assistant manager to Pep. I mean, to be fair, the obvious one actually to put in there is, is Arteta, really, having done the job as Pep's assistant. Analysis deserby. Under 23's coach. Hmm. Uh, Vincent Kompany. And again, it's relatable to Guardiola and succession a little bit, isn't it? So I've named there the Manchester City head coach, the former Man City assistant, um, someone who might end up with a Man City job, someone else who might end up with a Man City job, and someone in Sean who definitely won't. Uh, Ryan O's this afternoon James. When will we know the exact makeup of 34 and 37? Very keen on wildcard 27 that's not going to help you mate I'm afraid to say um, we got to think about it like this right? just simple terms here you cannot postpone any of the fixtures in game week 34 remember it's FA Cup semi-final weekend until you know who's won in the game week 29 weekend of the FA Cup court finals can't and depending on which fixtures need moving from 34 may have a direct impact on whether they stay in 34 as perhaps single fixtures or move to 37 with perhaps games from 29 moving to 34, you are not going to know in game week 27. And I I, I give an an example of that. So perhaps a bad example, but I've spoken about this on, I think on the chip strategy podcast, Everton is scheduled to play Liverpool in game week 29, right? So should that be moved to game week 37, that would be Everton's last home game of the season. Now imagine a scenario where Liverpool clinched the title at Goodison Park and Everton get relegated and it's Everton's last home game. You're potentially in a carnage situation, which I think be amazing for the drama. But I, I think you know a few people from a security standpoint would probably think let's 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 not do that. So I would be of the strong opinion that Everton Liverpool would go into game week 34. Now from there you can create chain reactions where Liverpool is scheduled to play at Fulham in 34. So if that was postponed, that's got to go into 37. Therefore, if Fulham and Tottenham are 29, that's probably going to go to 34. And what we'll probably find, I suspect, is that the majority of the 29 games will go to 34 and the majority of 34 will go to 37. But ask me that again in 10 days. And I might give you a little bit of a different answer subject to who goes through in the cup. Perhaps say if Liverpool went out, it might change the landscape, for example. Um, but to know definitively, mate, like if you're saying, Oh, I'm going to know what the 35, 34 game, which is going to look like in 27, impossible, pal. I'm afraid to tell you absolutely impossible. We could certainly have an idea of where certain 29 fixtures would move. Like I've just said, and perhaps from there, you can put the dots together and make some very good projections. But if teams that you expect to win in the FA Cup Court Finals then lose, the game changes. So you're not going to know. The chances are you will know prior to game week 30. And at least then we'll know who's gone through in the FA Cup Court Finals and can at least then make sensible projections. And I imagine, you know, between the likes of myself, Ben Krellin, Ian Parrin, Talon Lego Mane, uh, transfer algorithm, Twitter account, loads of good accounts out there. We're, we'll make some, I think, pretty viable projections that people can follow and chance of it being 100% right probably not correct. But I, I bet we'll, we'll probably get three quarters of it right um, going into Game Week 30 if it's not already announced by them. And of course, you only need the announcements for 34, right? If you've got the announcements for 34, then you can know for yourself what 37 is going to be game week 34 the midweek um it starts week commencing april the 21st so game week 29 um ends sort of march the 18th so game week 30 will begin saturday march the 30th now if the midweek of game week 34 is what's that circa three and a half weeks later. There's every chance we will know what games are going to be played in that midweek before Game Week 13. So, the most likely answer, Rhinos, is Game Week 13. JP says, Why have uh, the price drops for big owned players like Hall and Salah and Sun been so minuscule, but they will rise quickly once back? I don't know the answers. Um, and I know there's others who have potentially studied this sort of thing. And, you know, those who are creating price prediction sites will understand it better than me. But it's it's probably something to do with ownership, I should imagine. And you know what? It, it's not just the big players. I give a different example: Be Sven Botman, right? Sven Botman was in sort of what a further teams. Going into game week one, he got injured and he went down to sort of single digit percentage ownership, and he'd only dropped zero point one. So it's not just the big players. This has also happened with a 4.5 million defender there. I suspect it's relatable to ownership. Now, Haaland's ownership is off the charts big, or certainly was at the start of the season. So yeah, the volume of sales, I presume has got to be extraordinary, basically, for him to suffer price drops. So it's probably that. It's probably related to ownership, and the bigger ownership a player has, the longer it's going to take. Certainly, it's definitely true in any case that, you can have a player who's 0.1% owned and obviously they don't need a million transfers to drop in price, right? We know that's it's, it's a lower number. So I suspect it's all relatable to ownership. And there might be a little bit of relatable to the flags as well. I don't, I don't know what the impact of that is. So ownership and perhaps the, the color of the flags as well. Atul says, uh, best song you've heard in the stadium. Best song I've heard in the stadium. Wow. Um, I don't know the answer to that. Um, um I think um one that sticks out. I, I attempted not to name a, a a Tottenham one. There's a couple that that stick out. I mean, Villa fans always used to be great banter in the in the noughties, particularly um, shoes off. Um, with their, they always seem to be doing crazy stuff. Villa fans. When Liverpool had um, Fernando Torres, uh, you know, Fernando Torres, Liverpool's number nine. That was, that was when when it went round the ground, even the away and you thought, that's quite good that. Yeah. I need to have some of that as well. We had our Tottenham Pavlyuchenko version. It wasn't quite the same. Uh, Tristan Day says, uh, Saka out for Foden this week, barring any new injury news. However, Going into 25, who would you prioritise selling over Watkins or Trippier to make way for Salah and Haulham? Um, Probably Trippier, but again, let's say Villa are still in the cup and Newcastle are out. You, you might feel different about it. He's going to have an impact. If you're looking at, oh, I'm short of players for game at 29. Oh, shit, Trippier's going to play at Crystal Palace. Oh, Watkins probably isn't going to play. Like, that's that's going to have an influence, isn't it? So these are really difficult ones to answer right now, mate. If I, if you had to pin me right now, it's probably trippier. Gavin Richardson says, as we approach doubles and blanks, is it better to have one less premium with two to four million in the bank? So you can jump on off those blanks and doubles easier. Having KDB Salah robot makes everything else tight. Yes, it does. And I think part of that conversation, Gavin, is um, you should probably put Trent in now as part of that conversation as well. Because I think... If you don't have Trent, going De Bruyne, Hall, and Salah becomes way easier. It's the having the all four makes it really, really rough. So it wouldn't be a problem for me as compa- by comparison to keep De, to have De Bruyne, Salah, Holland, and keep Bowen and Watkins. It's the Trent on top of that means I might need to lose like Bowen and Watkins. So in terms of flexibility. Yeah, I'm I'm generally an advocate of it at the right times, but I also this is the point with KDB. I got nine million in the bank, right? If neither if I think he's going to start against Burnley and neither Holland or Salah are back, I'm going to oh well, I need that money for Holland Salah. That's the sort of mistake, honestly, truthfully, I would have made in the past. Yeah, well, my roots to them is better. Now nah, get it done, and if he if he then needs to be a sacrifice again, then sacrifice him again. It might even be that salah's out longer term, right? And then it's never go back. Imagine that sort of regret. So I, I wouldn't say save it for the sake of it. Having the flexibility is good, right? Again, so, to go back to Sky. Having that flexibility with moves is is very, very handy rather than necessarily spending all the money. Simon Outdoors says, What rank are you, Jay? Uh in Sky, I've dipped to about 750th, and I'm I'm not happy with my well. I was gonna say my overhaul decisions. Not true. Ask me next week. But there's one of them I'm, I, I said on Wednesday's pod. I'm not happy with. Uh, in FPL, uh, went into this re- this week uh, about 160k. I think um, I've dropped to I think about 230k. But I've still got you know captaincy to go on on Saka, for example. So let's call it middle ground and say I'm probably about 200k at the moment. Jay says, hi James, when is the perfect time to pick up Ivan Tony on FPL? So again, this is something we discussed on our Patreon pod this morning as well. So um, one of the things I have on my planner is difficulty rating, you know, over next two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So you can, you know, tailor it to your needs. Say you knew he was going to wildcard in six, in six weeks. You can look at just the next six. And I also have that ranked on projections. So... Uh, Based on my projections at the moment, and we already know, obviously, Brentford have an extra game in 25 and they'll definitely play in 29. So even on my projections, where currently I've only got eight teams with fixtures in game week 29, I think it'll end up being 10, probably, by the way. Um, So Brentford have two extra fixtures, in theory, over more than half the league from now until game week 29. I would still have them 18th on my fixture difficult over that period. And if I look just over the next eight, even with the Manchester City fixture added, I'd actually have them bottom. Now, Ivan, Tony and Brentford have proven themselves in the past to being very equipped at doing really well in some of these bigger games. But that is a really, really rough run of fixture. It's horrendous. Who don't they play in this period? They don't play Villa. Cool. They don't play Newcastle. They don't play Brighton. They pretty much play every other decent side. And arguably, from now till game week 29, you could make a case that on paper, their easiest fixture, i.e. a team in the bottom half, might be Wolves away. Wolves have been averaging 1.8 points per game in home games this season, despite the fact they've played City at home, Liverpool at home, Villa at home, Tottenham at home, Newcastle at home, Brighton at home, and Chelsea at home. They've got a really good home record. Not an easy game. And Brentford just lost there in midweek. Now, can Tony justify doing really well of these fixtures? Absolutely. Like, I don't have a problem if anyone wants to invest in him. I just know that a few have gone, oh my God, he's got extra fixtures. Cool. Oh, but you're going to bring, yeah, captain him in game at 29 maybe. Yeah, sure. But if we can all buy him in game at 29 if that's the case. So the answer is, truthfully, if you're desperate to have him, it was last week. Before the good game with Nottingham Forest. Now, I think this is a wait. This is a wait. Tottenham and Man City are the next two. Like, can he return in them? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's great. But I wouldn't go steaming in if he scores twice tomorrow because Arthurs kind of expect that will probably happen anyway. So I think wait. Now, if you want him for 25, he's probably the two toughest games he can have Liverpool and Manchester City. But he's on pens. He's tallies, man. Could he even score once in both and even be a captaincy option in that week? I suspect he won't be getting captain, but can he be a good option? Yes, absolutely. Um, But I'm not desperate to go there, I don't think. I don't think. This is the thing, right? Look at Tony's fixtures. Tottenham, City, Wolves, Liverpool, City, West Ham, Chelsea, Arsenal before 29. Now, over the same period, Watkins has got one less. He's got Newcastle at home, 19th best away record in the league. Sheffield United away. Manchester United at home. Fulham away, I'd argue, might even be the toughest game in this run. Night in the Forest at home. Luton away. Tottenham at home is great for the offensive players. So Watkins got one less fixture, but who do you really want over there? Is it Watkins or is it Tony? Now, I realise even the 1 million for Tony might be the difference between someone getting a salary or not, for example, so it's not just quite straightforward. But just because he's got extra fixtures, I'm going crazy to dive in there. Let's have a look. I don't doubt that it will be fit. I don't doubt that it will do quite well. But is he going to tear it up with that set of fixtures? Probably not. So, I mean, it's a watch and wait for at least a couple of weeks. Maybe we might look into game with 24 and it might be... I don't know, maybe you are sitting there and that Watkins to Tony becomes a kind of differential move that allows the next move, then then yeah, maybe 24, I think. But the reality is, for those who were desperate to have him, the right answer was last week, because the best fixtures tomorrow. Uh, Cole Valencia says, For years, Daniel Levy has been building the club's revenue streams. Are we about to see Spurs due to FFP, I think we should put slash PSR, have a period of success on the pitch? Was Levy playing the long game all along? He'll tell you yes. Um, look, let's say we might get um, um, a difference in turnover in terms of turnover v wages, but Tottenham have been. Remember with Tottenham, right? Tottenham won't make quite commercially or through merchandise what Liverpool, Manchester United will do worldwide, right? So you're behind on on that level. Um, Also not in the Champions League at the moment, so you're not making a revenue stream that's automatically there for Manchester City or is even there for Arsenal at the moment. The stadium is the game changer, right? And the fact that, yeah, Tottenham have been perhaps a bit more prudent in terms of their their expenditure on salaries for a long time. Tottenham's UEFA is working towards a system where wages to turnover, I think it is, will have to drop to 90% and then eventually it's a rolling scale year on year where eventually 70% of your income can go on wages. Tottenham have been operating for a long time, uh, much lower than that, much lower. So do Tottenham have an opportunity here? Possibly. Yes. Yes. I I can't pretend and sit here as a Tottenham fan that what's happened this week, and I do have huge sympathy for the fans of Everton and Nottingham Forest, but what seems to be happening would be good news for my football club. I, I can't hide from that. Um, And it's part way. I said on the pod we did on Tuesday that I think how you feel about PSR and FFP is very much dictated by who you support in terms of how you feel about it. Because I can see a lot of the flaws in it, but sitting here as a football fan, I'm looking at a game, this could be really good for my team. Now, there's no guarantees, mate. There's absolutely no guarantees at all. But I think, yes, Daniel Levy has always been playing the long game for tottenham and we might get rewards of it yes it, it is a possibility tropical says uh what is the sports social podcast network does it make you money how does it work yeah so uh sports social uh for those of those perhaps only watch on youtube might not know so sport social uh, uh basically our are, are sponsor on the audio platforms um so they've got adverts running on our podcast if you ever want ad free content by the way um you can get that on uh, on our patron from basic tier level if you just want content without ads you can have it um so yeah really good group of people they've obviously got behind a lot of fpl accounts and another good sort of sport podcast obviously so very much growing good people we're happy to have kind of signed a, an, an agreement with them um A really good company who are pushing podcast platforms, right? And they're going to help us grow, hopefully, and we get the word out for them at the same time as well. Uh, Neville says, Best four million defender, and is it time to ditch double Arsenal defense? Double Arsenal defense is one for at Clayt's AFC. Um, I don't know the answer to that at the moment. I'd, I'd certainly, I wouldn't rush wouldn't rush. Maybe if they concede this weekend, you might answer the question for you and you think, oh, shit, I want to do that. Best an under defender. Ain't any good options there. Arguably, it's Jan-Paul Van Hecker. Brighton is perhaps the one to to punt there just because Brighton's fixtures are, are pretty decent for a sustainable period. Tropical says, was looking at bench boost 25 because most of my players have good fixtures. Only thing, they're away. Would that stop you? Not in a forest away. I kind of want to look at who your, your players are. Uh, so, I'm a West Ham player. Sheffield United away this is good for Brighton player. Fulham away, that would be Villa, it's fine. Luton away. I mean, these are good fixtures, mate. Manchester United, Burnley away. These are good fixtures, mate. Good fixtures. I mean, what, what have you got there? Outside of Everton, the bottom four, and Fulham away. The thing is, it's not so much the fixtures, right? It's the players, right? So you can say, oh, right, I've got Van Heck at Sheffield United. I've got. Paul Torres at Fulham. I've got uh Wambisaka at Luton. And you've got someone else at Burnley. I'd be an Arsenal player, right? Um, it depends on the who, right? So this is what I said on, on the podcast earlier in the week. I, I recommend it. And I looked at it myself, even though I, I bench boosted it. It absolutely wouldn't be for me. Where it really works, I think is if part of your strategy plan is to make sure you have no Chelsea players when you arrive at game with 25, then yeah, it's possibly on. The reality is, if you're looking at likes of Palmer and Gusto away to Manchester City, it just doesn't look good, does it? But could you use Cole Palmer as part of a bench boost? Sure, but do you want to use it at Man City? That's part of the point. If you're sitting there and your bench is going to be like, I don't know, hypothetically, let's use the, the, the popular ones. So it's like Gabriel what, Burnley, it's Watkins at Fulham, and you know, if you were confident that let's say a hypothetically a Dallow or a Garnacho start at, at Luton, yeah, sure, why not? Why not? It's also a good week for those, I think, with Ariola and DeBravka, it's fine. Like it's not brilliant, but West Ham away to Forest, it's not terrible. It's not terrible. So yeah, I think it it will follow into people's laps. I'd recommended on Tuesday's Pod that people just looked at it and for 95% of you it will be a no but perhaps for you in this circumstance it's when you go yeah this is going to be for me and I think it should be considered I really really do if you land nicely I don't mind that at all uh, Atul says did you think of a lineup of Premier League team of the season with one player per team if not what's your initial line-up off the top of your head uh, I didn't know um, I could throw a few players that I know that I definitely want in City's not a straightforward one uh, neither is Liverpool because I think you know it could be Van Dijk or Salah, for example. Perhaps depends how many attacking players you pick. I think Arsenal would be for me would be Declan Rice. Villa, again, you could Douglas Luiz, Watkins. Remember, this isn't necessarily the best player in the team. It's you know player of the year for each team, if you will, almost. Newcastle, I think, would be Anthony Gordon. Tottenham might also be another one that would fall into a line. You go, well, I haven't got goalkeepers. So it might be like Vicario, it might be they haven't got a good left back. So you go, Destiny Doggy. I think there's a number of options potentially from Tottenham, Chelsea. Cole Palmer would go in, no doubt about that. West Ham, Bowen or Pacheta, probably. I think. I know Kudos is obviously doing really well now and did well again last night. But I mean, one of them. So uh, Brighton would. Probably be Pascal Gross. Like off the top of my head, I've named a few midfield players there. So it might be that suddenly we'd look at it and we'd go, yeah, shit. Actually, it's got to be like Van Dyke and Udogi, for example, those sort of things. Uh, the Wolves player at all for me would be Mario Lamina. Um, I said that previously. Jack O says two free transfers and plenty of money in the bank on Walker, Foden and Alvarez after game week 20 wild card. Thoughts on sideways moves within City. I wouldn't do anything at the moment unless it's Alvarez towards Haaland, mate. So for you, I mean, you know, moving Foden to De Bruyne or moving another City player to get De Bruyne, nah. No, I wouldn't, mate. The, the, the free transfer would be way more useful for you elsewhere, I imagine, Jack. Will says, thoughts about Tanganga going on uh, to Mill on loan? Yeah, finally, he needs to play. Jaffitt's problem is he obviously went to Augsburg on loan and never played partly through injury i believe but he'd only he'd been with us um excuse me last season i think he maybe started four games across the season so he's basically had 18 months he's played four games of football so look very important rather than going all right, let's send him to a premier league club at the moment he needs to build his his confidence um up and to be honest with you like it or not reality is from a tottenham perspective he needs to build his value he needs to go to Millwall and needs to do well for three, four months so Tottenham can sell him for, sorry to say this, guys, pure profit in the summer. That's reality. And if he went to, let's just say, not in the Forest as an example, and perhaps didn't play that much, then that's not going to do anything for his value. He does well in the championship. There might be enough who look at perhaps invest in it. Probably only be a small sum. But Jaffa Tanganga is 24 now. Um, love him. As an individual and a player, is he going to be good enough now in this Tottenham? No, certainly not. So I wish him all the very best of luck. He's very likeable. I watched him play in the the kids' teams. He always stood out as someone that I felt would go on and play for the first team. Uh, And I'm delighted he kind of lived out his dream and did that. He's not going to stay at Tottenham long-term. I think that's fairly clear. So Tottenham want him to go there so he can get minutes and hopefully increase his, his value or at least get his value to a sellable asset perspective, I imagine, in the summer. And with that in mind, it probably won't be Millwall buying him. I'm sure he will do pretty well at Millwall. Uh, Luis Bonilla says, good morning, James. Thanks for all the hard work. You are great. What do you think I'm um, selling Diaby for Gross? Um, uh, I think he think be doing anything at the, at the moment. Let's see how Pascal Gross does on Monday night. He might feel differently about it. And again, if Diaby does really well at Chelsea and has got the nod maybe even over Bailey." Uh highly recommend listening to yes' cash to correspondence. So on the face of it, uh Louis, I think, yeah, moving Diaby to grow. So, like, I don't have a problem with it, it's fine. David Fawn says, What are your thoughts on a Madison punt? Rather than bringing in Richardson, team is looking alright for blank game at 26, and Madison could be on pens. Madison won't be on pens. I've said this a hundred times. I want Pedro Porro to take the penalties for Tottenham even when Sun is fit. Now, Sun's obviously going to be first choice. I would imagine. Um, that it won't be James Madison on pens. Have you ever seen James Mad- one of James Madison's penalties for Leicester? And I don't mean the one he missed against Everton. Gun look for a penalty he took against. I want to say Manchester City in a League Cup quarter final cut years ago. Yeah, no thanks. um So don't think it be James Madison on pens. No, I, I think it would more likely be if we had a penalty against City. For example, let's say Madison's on the pitch. I. I honestly think it would probably be Richarlison or might even be Timo Werner. I think. So for Madison from Pens, no. Again, I repeat, I would have Porro take them, without a doubt. And he has taken them for sport in Lisbon in the past as well. Um so I don't think it would be Madison. Could be. Like he took one in the shootout when we when we beat, um, when we beat, we definitely didn't bait, lost to Fulham in the League Cup second round. He took that penalty absolutely fine, by the way. Could he sure? I don't think it will be though. In terms of your question though, yeah, fine. Take the information from the Manchester City game and see how he looks. If he doesn't start against Man City, then it becomes doubtful if he starts against Brentford, right? Or, you know, maybe he needs a good half hour and then perhaps that'll be enough, for example. If he doesn't play against City at all, there's no conversation here, is it? I imagine, by the way, he probably will start against Manchester City in the cup next week, as long as Touchwood is a good ten days of or well, not ten days, seven days of training. Uh, right, I'm gonna cover off. Uh, one more here from Hever says, what are your thoughts on Reguion as an FPL asset? Thanks. So it's the same thing. Falls into the the Tony line. So I think Reggie's 4.4. I think he's a very astute signing for Brentford. No one is not going to obviously stay at Tottenham longer term now. Brentford have had a, a huge blows this year with their own injury record too. And the Hickey and Henry injuries have been what's affected them most. Now, Brentford obviously would like Rico Henry to be their long-term left-back, no doubt about it, but he's going to miss the rest of this season. So a short-term option to cover that off is a very sensible play from Brentford. You're, pl- you're buying a player who, I would say, attributes-wise, he's not unlike Rico Henry and has got experience of the league, no doubt about it. As an asset, then fixtures again, mate. What do we even want here? Let- let- let's be honest about this. Let's so say you go into the double game week, right? And you've got Region, Liverpool at home, Man City away. And you've got Porro at home to Wolves. Who do you play? For me, it'd be Porro. Now, that might be an extreme example, but I think there are others you could potentially use. Let's even say it's Dallow at Luton. You can play Reguilón against Liverpool and City, or you can play Dallo at Luton. To be honest the one that's more likely to provide the high ceiling there is Dallow. So... Like, how good is it going to be for you? Yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced, to be very honest. I'm, re- I'm not convinced about that at all. Uh, Thank you, Lewis, for your very kind words. I appreciate what you said in the chat, which is basically saying, come on, people, show some love and respect. If you read this, please help James with a like and a comment. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that, mate. Yeah, smash a like, hit the sub button if you're on YouTube, if you're listening back to the audio. And by all means, the uh, the five star reviews go a very, very long way, guys. Uh, it's very much appreciated. Thank you. And as a reminder, obviously, if you want to support the show, it's dot. No, it's not. Do that again, James, because you've only said it a thousand times before. www.patreon.com forward slash planet FPL. Join if you want the additional content or if you just want to support the show. Uh, that obviously includes the differential show we obviously had out for our patrons earlier today and for advanced tier patrons you've still got talking tactics to come later today an analysis of what Kevin De Bruyne's impact was on Manchester City in the second half of that game against Newcastle looking up before he came on and after he came on and how it changed very importantly again when Oscar Bob came on in the final 10 minutes or so um, that's available for advanced tier patrons later today main podcast next week guys will be on Tuesday uh, so that's so we can cover the discussion of Brighton Wolves Monday night, as we've only got five games for review anyway. So, I said earlier, clash of correspondence for your Monday night in the forest versus Arsenal with FPL black boxes Mark Southerns and Arsenal fan Adam Pritchard. Uh, but it just seems me to say, for the benefit of those on the audio, cue music, please, man child. Have a great weekend, everyone. <laughs>